We don't know, but <laughs> we're going to try and find out or, or something today. Uh, Michael and I are here in the podcast studio together, and um, yeah, yeah, it, it started off with talking about profit, and then <laughs> with, the, went, with the FIT, yeah, with the FIT, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then and then it, it that went to profit with the or supposed profits, yeah. Um, baptism hell heaven <laughs> sanctity of life the fragility of life <laughs> and um no one was bench pressing so i guess um i i, I don't know exactly what holding back up to explore yeah you, you had a huge week <laughs> yes and, and we don't have to go into the depths of it but you went and um presented at the uh, Banff film festival yeah so the the it's fucking crazy up there now. I mean, I haven't been, um, I haven't presented since uh, Kiss or Kill was in competition up there in 2001, and I think it won Mountain Literature. Uh, mm. We had one here, it says so on the cover. I think, that, <laughs> I think that's what it was. Won Mountain Literature, and I gave a pretty kick-ass spoken word gig where um, basically for 30 minutes nonstop, I told this story about uh, trying to climb Nanga Parbat and getting caught in a storm 1,200 feet from the top of a 13,000 foot face and then dropping some ropes, dropping some tents, nearly dying, finding the miraculous backpack, et cetera. So I did, I, I did the spoken word part with no images or anything behind and then sent the, um, the sort of slideshow with music and everything on its own that has no narration. And so audience members were compelled to sort of put the two together. And actually mm. somebody who saw me there this time, um, before I spoke this time, came up to me and said, look, man, that I still remember that. That's got to be one of, I've been to almost all of these, and that has got to be one of the greatest presentations I have ever seen here. I was <laughs> like, I'll take that. I was uh, pretty much on fire that night. Happily, there's a recording of it. It might end up, you know, part of it might end up in the reality bath doc. Um, Which Ian showed up. Yeah, and Ian, Ian came to cover. He um, uh Brought an assistant, Carrie. So the my, my talk at the book festival um, was covered with two cameras, and some of that will make it in. And then we spent uh, that was on Thursday, and then on the Saturday evening, um, we sat down and did basically just you know cameras and, and me um, and sort of interview style and recounting kind of what happened. And and at the, and that was really really good and deep, and you know brought up a lot of the stuff that I sort of was talking about in my talk. Um, and I, I, I think we're finally coming around to, um, a pretty good thread that carries through the, the story. Cause it's a story that it's a lot of years. Yeah. But anyway, it's a lifetime you could say. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a lifetime. Um, so after the talk, I, you know, and then did a bunch of interviews, did a bunch of hanging out and then, um, sat on a panel, had a panel discussion. Oh, there was a couple hundred people there for that too. Um, and it was meant to be about love and loss. And, you know, for, for me, this, you know, the subtext, love and loss in the mountains or something. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the exact title of the subtext for me. It's like, 
the mountains kill my friends. Why do I keep going up there? <laughs> um, and or you know they don't actively. They're not you know unless you. It just reminds me of the um, uh, God. The, now I can't think of the show's name on HBO. True Detective. Okay. Uh, when Matthew McConaughey is first driving in the in the car with Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And and he's like, "Are you a believer?" He's like, "No." And he says something about existential nihilism and he's like what's that he's like it means i'm real bad at parties (laughs) (laughs) just the title of that yeah talk is like oh man this isn't gonna be a party (laughs) no it's it's not and and um there's a uh jeff powder who's um psychologist was on the panel margot talbot who had sort of was able to use climbing to get out of some you know sort of serious drug addiction and Hmm. that that kind of thing find um, and, and away from depression by way of, you know, I think exploring self-determination mm-hmm. and, um, and I was on it. And then a guy named Ian Wellstead, who's, um, uh, climber, very good climb, very good Alpine climber, um, and starting and, and is guiding now, which means that, you know, the whole, the mountains kill my friends thing is mm-hmm. like, yeah, hey, well, job one, you know, no one dies on the, on the guided, you know, thing. And so it, puts tremendous pressure and responsibility on yeah. you know, the, the person who's supposedly, I mean, who, whose job is to mitigate risk hmm. um, so that someone who is not familiar with it can actually be exposed to that environment, maybe accomplish some kind of objective that they had established in their mind. Um, and, you know, the guide's job is basically to, uh, yeah, mitigate risk, show the way, um, you know, make it as efficient as possible. Mm. But also the guide's job, I mean, I talked, ran into an old friend named Andrew Brash and he and I, and I hadn't seen him and I don't know how long, but he and I um, both had uh, used to climb with Richard Wary and, and we started talking about him and Richard was like an incredibly fucking talented ice climber, made everything look easy mm. and um, had climbed a bunch in the Canadian Rockies and uh, Eastern Canada. And I climbed, you know, in, in Alps with him, but never in Canada. And, um, and his, his first or second job as a fully certified guide in the Alps, um, he got killed Yeah, because he, you know, stepped in front of some falling rocks to save the client. Client lived, he didn't. Um, and then Barry reminded me when I was there, um, sort of, of, of his, um, encounter with bear number eight. Um, (laughs) and he was with the, he was with a client and they were in the back country and bear number eight, they assign him numbers. So people, so the wardens and the conservation people don't, uh, uh, be, become emotionally attached in some way, hmm. which I don't know. They don't. If, uh, if, I don't know if that's helpful or anthropomorphize the bear. Yeah, yeah, but I still think if you're looking after it, and, and the job, you know, this bear number eight apparently had had a number of human encounters, and mm-hmm. and this one was the worst. They, this bear was super pissed, and you know, Barry did you know everything of you know bear whispering that he mm-hmm. knows that you know, and he's got some experience in you know in the Canadian Rockies because. Uh, you run into bears with you can with you yeah. know with some frequency there, um, and the bear was having none of it. wouldn't They wouldn't let him back away. He came after him, and uh, so Barry sent the client up the tree first, and then as the guide, went up second, so that if the bear got anyone, it wouldn't be yeah, um, the client, the the, the, uh, the customer, and uh, it got really. Um, really close and then and Barry's working on a, a story about it right now um, and then uh, the bear lost enough interest but uh, the wardens came or range I don't know exactly who has mm. that job of 
euthanizing the bear, but it was like one too many human mm -hmm. encounters in this being, and, and maybe this one was the most aggressive of them. Um, and so that bear had to get killed and it's like, ah, man, well, I don't want to be a guide. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> A, I think it's really tough to mitigate the risk um, in the mountain environment without bears. I, I mean, that's an interesting, um, uh, just the, like a, a statement as in general, if you're guiding anybody through anything, what you miss out on by being with less capable people, um, you kind of have to, you know, stack your shelf first before you can actually guide people legitimately, but also just so you can then understand the speed and the effectiveness that you can actually have in a terrain or through, you know, whatever whatever you're guiding somebody through, it becomes kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I felt that when I wasn't quite, um, if I, I didn't sow my oats correctly or enough in guiding people physically, and I'd feel the frustration of like trying to get mine while they were lagging. Yeah. And it was, it was just like, uh, like, but now I notice a big difference. I don't care. Like, I've gotten plenty. <laughs> yeah. And I notice like I, I can really like calm down and go at somebody else's speed and, and take them. And, and actually yeah. do the job. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. is, is is a thing. Like I'm not here for my own yeah. ambition, ego, yeah. interest or whatever. I am here to share what I know with someone mm -hmm. about the activity and the environment um, and, and to, you know, some, so that they have a good and fulfilling experience. Mm -hmm. Without me trying to like, okay, you're going really slow. I'm going to run up ahead, get some interval training in, and I'll be back. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't have that. I just, I, I, it wasn't too, I don't, maybe a couple months ago, I noticed that, that I don't have that inclination to rush ahead anymore to yeah. get my own thing, um, which is maybe just getting tired and old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the old, the age thing came up. I was mm. talking with uh, Jeff Powder, you know, he's a little bit, and he said, well, but maybe some of your attitude, you know, is has to do with age. And I said, it's just, it's age is time, and that's an abstraction, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, am, I am the result of accumulated experience, which, you know, we describe as age, mm -hmm. but... It's not the age. It's not the the age. I think it's exposure and, Ooh. and you know the wilting that comes from real exposure. <laughs> Maybe yeah. <laughs> I, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, and this is kind of why do you think people are attracted to? I would say gathering around the campfire to listen to people that have had experiences. Um. Like, what is it that, I mean, because people, it is like a moth to a flame. Like, I mean, in general, when you talk, but also others that have had these experiences, like people just want, like, what's it like out there? And it's almost like, it's a, I know it's that's bizarre the, to that's you. That's the answer to the question. <laughs> the, 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 right? Because because whoever is telling this, has had the experiences mm -hmm. telling the story can has brought that story back from somewhere that mm -hmm. other people may not have access to. But but you, I imagine, asked that same exact question a long time ago, and you didn't, you just went. Yeah. And that that's what I mean is like, so why, what is the difference between the person who sits and tells and, and has gone and the person who sits and listens, who refuses to go? 
And, and or do only people recognize has the that? physical and psychological. I mean, because let's just let's just say, okay, take um money, time, mm-hmm. whatever those barriers are. Out, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just just say, okay, that you could go if you had the physical skills or the psychological skills, mm-hmm. right? And 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 part of it is like, okay, so somebody wants to hear about an experience, um. Generally, the stories are not told about the mundane ones. Mm-hmm. They'll t- they're told about you know the stories yeah. get told about the you know when the harrowing sh- the, the, the the when the shit went down mm-hmm. you know or whatever. Um, in order to get into the position where the shit goes down, takes a lot of time and commitment and practice, and a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. So, it, the people who are listening can have their own you know, six months in, a year in to participation in the activity experience. Mm-hmm. But they pro- they might not have enough time in their lives to, mm. like, get to the point to have the experience about which the story is being told. Yeah, and I, and I guess right, I like should split the group that sits and listens because I think that some of it would become, but, like, they will answer the question themselves. Yeah. And some never will. Um, but when I look at like, um, and, and there's some things that are really fun to learn about, and then there's some things that are really good to actually go and experience. And, and there are some things that are less fun to learn about. Yeah, and usually the <laughs> the stories that come back, the the you know the the shit <laughs> that you go through, those yeah. are not the fun ones. But that's what people are drawn to. They're drawn to, and I always think about it like, why are we drawn to the thing that nobody wants to experience? Because it's also the thing that is has the greatest potential to transform mm. one's psychology and and life. I, 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 I think like I don't want this to happen. Yeah, but if but okay, <laughs> I I didn't let's just go to the Nanga Parbat thing. I didn't want that to happen. I wanted mm. to get to the fucking top and do that face in alpine yeah. style and like in a fraction of the fucking time that it had been <laughs> climbed in before, and then come yeah. down and get like you know yeah. to, to quote. <clears throat> lethal weapon the original one you know we'll do shaving commercials and get girls and you know and shit <laughs> or whatever paraphrase i guess not quote um it, I, I just i i i wanted to do it as an expression of our competence mm-hmm. um and you know ward nearly fucking died we were pretty much on that that ragged edge for a long time we ended up and surviving we ended up surviving but based but, off of your high competence well, yes, and a and a good and a, and a dose of good fortune, mm. you know, as well. Um, you know, we we wouldn't have gotten in trouble if we didn't have the skills. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have gotten out of trouble had we not had the skills <laughs> and a bit more <laughs> luck. Um, like, yeah. but but it's but it's not something like I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to go up there and like purposefully start out with a bad weather forecast, well, right? You right, know, right. or something like that to in order to have the most maximally powerful experience that one can have short of, you know, getting fucking chopped. And, (laughs) um, but that's a, it's a great story because we, because of what it drew out of us. Mm -hmm. I think what it compelled the, the, the higher order of performance that was required in order to survive. And I think that's part of the interesting, you know, story, but there was, I'd never fucking volunteer for, 
Oh, but, <laughs> well, we always like, I want to have a good experience. Not, and I say good, but I mean meaningful, I yes. guess is a better term for it. I want to have a meaningful experience. and I, But I really want to stack the odds in my favor and be as comfortable in the uncomfortable as I possibly can. It's all, I mean, it's almost like a... I don't, it's a sleight of hand of some sort in your own brain where you're like, yeah, I like to do hard stuff. I've trained myself to do the hard thing, to accept consequences, to mm-hmm. re- like worst case scenario comes up. I know I'm good f- for this, thing, yeah, <laughs> this level. And th- 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 this is my, you know, railing. Um, but you don't want to see that railing because you'll go mm-hmm. over it pretty mm-hmm. quickly. And it, But we all do the same thing. I, I mean, even as something as um, a pedestrian as like a bike race, like, yeah. I want to go experience a bike race and, you know, have the rush of and going downhill and going uphill and and struggling and yeah, but that's a little bit too far or this distance or that's too many people or this, man, the terrain is way too rough or I don't like that kind of style or if it's raining, I'm not fucking doing it, especially if it's snowing. (laughs) But if you get caught in those situations, it's raining fuck it okay i'll do it after it starts snowing it, yeah. shit i am unprepared how am i going to deal with this those are the exact things that will transform you yeah and yet no one will ever sign up for them yeah you don't want to start the race in the rain necessarily yeah um especially as a recreationalist but if it's your job then you do yeah um yeah. but as a recreational athlete you don't want to start it you know in conditions that uh, that that might that appear to mm. um that, that will probably have a negative <laughs> effect on on the, the uh, you know on you on the people mm-hmm. around you etc but once you but like you said yeah once you get caught mm-hmm. if you get caught it's almost if you're overtaken by events yeah, yeah then you generally get what you were subconsciously seeking there we were just riding our bikes and then suddenly and, and then, that's how yeah. great experiences start was with, with the unexpected and that's that's generally how i, I mean describe and then adventure, you're right? riding your bike yeah. outside of cape town you come around and there's a troop of baboons on the road you're like, exactly yeah. i was just riding along and then there was like but can you imagine the idiocy <laughs> if i was like i'm gonna go ride my bike into yeah. a troop of baboons and the experience would be totally different and <laughs> i would have some kind of level of well if you were intentionally idiocy. doing it you'd have cameras so the, <laughs> so the experience would for sure be different <laughs> <laughs> Why well, didn't I have a helmet cam or something? Yeah. I mean, I was too petrified to actually pull out a camera, which is a good sign yeah. uh, that it was a real experience because I didn't stop. To, it's just in my head now of like, I, and you can see it clearly when they're good experiences, you see them perfectly yeah. in your head. Um, <laughs> I So when I imagine, um, I try to just, well, it's this weird thing. I try to see... Um, you know, people who have accomplished things for what they are. And I, I think there's only a few types. I can only describe a few archetypes. Um, I, uh, and I would describe like you and Scott are mystics and not in the like supernatural sense, but something about your, the, how you see the world. Um, and maybe I just, it, it's different because of your experience. And it's almost like you can see another level into the world another like there's layers and you can see deeper into it than the person that has had less experience or less exposure maybe um and then there's you know there's sages and sages are the knowers or the people that can understand different levels and um you know there's all these like seekers and whatever and and most people aren't any of those and i think Mm -hmm. that's why 
the crowd like that's why the crowds come because everybody secretly wants to be able to see different layers or know different layers or feel different layers that would be like the empath um and i and i think that's like part of the the mystery of it it was like trying to figure out how you're able to see the world like that and through your stories maybe you get just a touch of it and and I, maybe I'm just creating something like that's totally made up. But. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I mean, I, it was um, it wasn't like I mean, I gave a similar talk about you know refuge and why it where I came from and why that book was eventually was ultimately necessary. So similar script, if mm -hmm. you will, as the two shows we've done here. But mm -hmm. there it was completely different because it's, a, I don't know, I think it's 350 seat auditorium that was sold out. In front of mountain um, people. Yeah, and like, they're mountain yeah, yeah. people, um, which might make the end of it a little bit more problematic or whatever. But, uh, but um, you know, I had more, a lot more time than I allowed myself here mm -hmm. in a way. And, and, and I, I really wanted to... Um, because of the experience with Blair and her letter about the power of mm -hmm. words and how those words had, you know, changed Travis's life and had um, affected their relationship and all the time that they were together, uh, I, I felt it was. I just had it in my head like I want to talk about the power of words and I want to show you know, in a sense, confess my guilt as a you know writer of influential words or whatever mm. um because the idea was it, and, and guilt is strong but like if i am writing something with the intent to provoke or mm -hmm. help someone change maybe it's not guilt. maybe it's like hesitancy or something like well that. yeah i don't think I, I just want to say like, like my participation let's mm -hmm. say so if i've written some things that people read and it and it changed the way that they looked at the world and then they changed their life and relationship to mm -hmm. the world and that was ultimately i mean especially in travis's case you know it's a good thing he discovered climbing mm -hmm. he obviously already had a work ethic and built a business and and um uh, and and was rel you know it was successful he was a, on search and rescue for I think seventeen years up there, mm. et cetera. And and so and his so he, he he gave to the community. He helped people who were in distress. He and a lot of that is uh, you know th that that path that he was on came from some writing that I had done, mm -hmm. or at least got him to see. I mean I'm not going to take credit for the work or anything, but um, but then to have. And it's, and it's, you know, not doing anything wrong. So it is absolute bad luck, act of God, mountains mm -hmm. fall. Um, and, uh, and, and he, and he got killed and I, I wanted, so I started the thing off. I mean, both Blair and Delilah, um, encouraged me to make them feel. <laughs> and I'd gone up there with my ego you know, the, I mean, my first idea with about the ego was like, yeah, Refuge didn't even make the short list, you know, mm -hmm. and I think it's a better book than that. Um, and and uh, so I was pissed and I was like, I'm going to make the jury pay. You know, I'm going to make them, you know, feel really bad for not having, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And obviously the book, I mean, didn't fit into any. Well, so no, yeah, I was going to say it doesn't really fit into a category. It doesn't really fit into any of the sort of established categories for one thing. But but um, also I think it's. uh 
it's um it's talking about retiring or coming down or the crisis of identity or whatever in a in a a, a non self-help kind of way or a non demonstrative it's not like a it's not a story i mean mm-hmm. you have to add the story when you're going through that book but anyway so i went up and i thought okay my mission is going to be this to give the best possible presentation uh, um, about the book and about the making of it and mm-hmm. to show the video that ian made and everything that we're like look we made you know every step of the way we're participating in this mm-hmm. um uh, you know up until the binding it was the only thing that we didn't have our hands on mm-hmm. and uh um but you know circumstances came and i needed to to have i needed to have a different experience um but i also wanted to honor that story and i had um heard Blair's water bottle that says burn the fucking boat on it and uh, had a little bourbon in that and, and <laughs> sat that with the sticker facing the audience and it was a pretty intimate sort of setting and, and I read the, um, and I read her letter about Travis and his life mm-hmm. and um, to start it off as the warm up <laughs> and I thought honestly that I was going to make it probably I, I figured like I can probably get like a couple of paragraphs into this letter before I start crying mm. not even just I like mean, it, first words, first words out because I, because I knew, I mean, and I knew what was coming. I realized like, okay, here I'm going to like open myself in front of all of these people mm-hmm. and it, and, and looking around during that part of it. And then the, my sort of later story of, you know, kind of hit, hitting bottom, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, in my own, I was, it was, um, I think it was, I, I, I so I reordered my mission um, up there, which was to um, make any everyone who was present in the room to give them something that they will never forget. Mm. And in that regard, I think it uh, it happened. But it was a strange. Um, I think it was David Roberts' wife who was talking with Jeff Powder and maybe Michael Kennedy afterwards, and said something like, "I feel like I was at a psychoanalysis session." <laughs> 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 and then came the the question was. Was that rehearsed? Was he acting? Ooh. And I thought... I am a thespian. I am a thespian. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh, you know, to which Jeff Powder, I I believe, answered adamantly, no, it's it's not possible. What we saw there was something... You know, exploratory, and I don't, or we I don't even think he knew what. Yeah, you know, I don't, he he didn't even think that I knew what was going to happen. So, yeah, anyway, I uh, mean, you, you kind of never do, but you always kind of know. Um, I th- yeah, you can feel yes. it when you go into something, whether it's going to be powerful or not. I think you're and right. It sounds like it was. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. It's, it's going to take days to assimilate months weeks whatever i'm like i don't know if it's even going to be possible well i i think i think these things are so attractive and what i've like i mean i've had a uh, this ongoing discussion with uh, brad and detroit uh, for the past couple years and it's like hey how are you feeling fucking broken like tired this that and then last um last summer i saw him take off to a trip to alaska and then he went to um Yosemite with his friend and they just started doing some easy climbing and he wrote about it later about how he was just like he you know he's a physically capable person he's probably one of the fittest people that I know Mm -hmm. all around like in general capacity 
and he found himself i don't know what the grade was but probably nothing more than like a five eight or five nine trad climb and he found himself up a thousand feet on a wall and going oh fuck like nothing i have never been this scared in my entire life and it was immediately addictive to him and he went back started climbing every day that's all he's doing yeah that's all he's doing now he's just climbing and so i've been ongoingly we're just talking about like you know the worth of the fitness that we had or like, you know, where do you see the barbell playing? Or where do you see mm-hmm. this kind of action? And he's like, it doesn't fit anywhere. It, it doesn't like, it makes you a broken person. And he's like, there's literally no outcome that's positive from just going, like trying to find the end of that path. Well, that's it. Like walking for, the for, path. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but trying to take it to the, uh, to the place, you know, utmost expression mm-hmm. of, you or whatever as an individual yeah yeah you go up against any limit it's that's what it it will break you or it has the potential to break you well i I, and and i found this really like poetic because he how i saw it in my head is he he found this path of you know we'll just call it hardcore strength yeah the end of it is a cliff that you will fall off and break and his saving grace was a cliff that he could fall off and break yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah. instead of but it was it's like it's such a different experience and, and and so how how i see like these events where you're talking about what you did with your life it takes people so long to figure out that we're missing something and it's yeah. not climbing for everybody for sure yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. definitely not ice climbing for me i could fucking do without it yeah but there is something in the adventure the the human Voyager, vagabond, nomad. I, I think if you, you know, if we're looking at a pie-shaped mm-hmm. thing, there's a huge piece of human experience that is, you know, left uneaten and goes in the refrigerator and rots. And, know, we, and, and we're told like, specifically not to go down that road. That it's, you know, it's empty. It's this. It's that. It's the other. Yet we keep filing into conferences and listening to people that go against this normative experience. Yeah, and and we're like. Wait, what did that guy and, do? He gave up, you know, college and, you know... A, and we are strangely attracted to that thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... Which I, I find pretty fascinating. You know, some of it, I mean, especially on the, the, the sort of film festival side mm-hmm. where there's, there's not a ton of interaction between the, you know, presenter and the audience because mm-hmm. they're, you know, it's the, somebody who was in or made mm-hmm. the yeah. movie might be there to introduce it Mm -hmm. but the film itself is not interactive in any way and i think a lot Mm. of that is sort of titillation and a Mm. and and sort of voyeurism in a a way into the um activities that people participate in at intermediate level or beginners or they're interested or it's something completely outside their experience and they want to see through that window but a lot of times i don't really see like the, the 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 learning the, the lesson coming back where an individual can ask a question of the experiencer mm-hmm. or the experienced and have an answer that might be helpful to them in, you know, in, in, yeah. in their set of conditions. And, and I think that this, this thing of like going and listening to this, this, the stories or, um, of recognizing that there is something missing mm. Is an is an interesting thing. Um, Tony uh, Seibert, who was out here, and uh, we he had he had written me something um, about 
the difference between what George Orwell and uh, and Aldous Huxley um, were sort of talking about, and Orwell feared that um, there, you know, that, that there were those who would ban books, mm. and that's like something that, that's cool because you, you got something to fight. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, um, but then <laughs> what Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book for there would be no one who wanted to read one. <laughs> and and this sort of g- goes on, you know. Orwell feared those who would pr- deprive us of information, but Huxley feared those who would give us so much mm. that we would be reduced to passivity, passivity, and egoism. Hmm. And that's a long time ago that that prediction got made. But that yeah. is kind of where we are right now. There is so much. Well, if there's so much detail, there's no detail. Is, is well, like, if, there's, if there's so much and, information, there's and, no information. Exactly, and yeah. if there's so much information so much stimulus then there is no creativity and i think that um the 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 ability to make things Mm -hmm. is i mean especially if it's if it's make yeah if it's zero to one Mm -hmm. versus you know put a filter on it and call it yours which i could i'll (laughs) even include in this even if you're just making your own life experience yeah. Like if you're creating something from nothing, you were nothing and you're becoming something based off of your experience out there. But so I think you have the only way that you can have the the space inside mm-hmm. in a way to do that is to slow down the rate of at which the information hits you. Mm-hmm. Like, like really not to be so exposed to it. Yeah, we just literally had this conversation last night in the gym. Uh, with Sam uh-huh. and Josh um, and, and Sam's been on this kick where he's really trying to become a clear thinker his words mm-hmm. and he feels like he is he's very um, afflicted by cloudy thinking sometimes like his thoughts are not clear he's unable to get and, and take this with a grain of salt because this is somebody who thinks a lot yeah and overthinks too much yeah D- yeah too. and and the best thing I could think of... Too much as if that were possible. But, well, yeah. And, uh, well, I looked at it like clear thinking to me isn't um, getting away from from cloudy thinking, right? And this will kind of... In the same kind of analogy that I okay. used, it was just like if you're driving and I try to take in as much attention and detail as possible, I won't be good at the task. Like if I'm noting yeah. the car's license plate, the color, the make, the model, how many lines are on the ground, it's again like a, a picture that is fully in focus is boring and stupid. There's nothing to look at because everything's in focus. You almost need uh, the bokeh in order to guide you. You need to blur the edges and start to focus on it. You yeah. need less detail on places so that you can focus on the details. So you can focus on the details, yeah. but also so that you can bring some uh, of your own interpretation or I mean mm-hmm. so you can actually have a relationship but it's not clear cut dried boom here's the thing right no ifs and or buts I, and we come down we, we came to the same thing it's like too much information is too much information and I think this is a political strategy as of lately like a, a lot of people think that it's you know it's that it's this it's the other and I I look at it as just volume if so many things come down like yeah. uh, let's say so many half truths false truths partial truths what if so many of them come out, you know, Trump wrestled an alligator, Trump did this, and then like, you know, Nancy Pelosi did this, and she did that, and now she's, you know, in Hawaii with a, you know, a Saudi prince, or like whatever, there's so much, you don't have time to fact check She's anything. not there spearfishing? Yeah, <laughs> uh, she's there, uh, well, uh, I can't remember the, the Netflix comic that just got shut down in Saudi Arabia. 
um, damn it. He's really funny too. Okay. Um, they just banned him, you know, because yeah. progression. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but there's so much noise that there is nothing like nothing is real because so, so let fake. me take us back to yeah. Orwell. Okay. Um, Orwell feared the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance, <laughs> <laughs> which I believe is exactly what yeah, you're talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, almost yeah. almost as, you, as, as if you had read my notes. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> what the, I mean, this has been a, a fairly recent topic. We've been talking about this quite a bit. It's kind of funny it's, that it comes up. It is. Um, I mean, without it, you in the room, like, uh, yeah, and this is kind of where it's been going just uh, like reading the news and trying to understand how the next and politics is really interesting um not that i take a side or that i'm i'm one way or the other because i think it's relevant <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i like to see it because it shows human nature and it yeah. shows it in in a cosm that you can kind of like oh that's how these people behave to that and it really has nothing to do uh, and we all kind of know that politics has nothing to do with facts. It's more like feelings and emotions and tribalism. I swear to God, if it was just next time around, as mm -hmm. far as like the who runs the country, is a straight popularity contest, it yeah. might be better. It would for sure, but Let's it'll never happen. Straight popularity, because yeah. then Kanye wins. You know, <laughs> well, <laughs> or, somebody I mean, brought this up the other day um, about but, the but Kim thing. That he would be intelligent enough yeah. to have advisors to help. Yeah. And not think that because of his vast and unmatched intellect, he could do all this shit on his own. Connie's probably a bad example. <laughs> yeah, I, of course it is. But, do you know what's funny? I mean, like Kim Kardashian would probably be better than both of them. Yeah. And, and they, I'll use her as an example, exa the exact same thing, uh, because okay. I'm not a big fan of hers. Um, but when it comes to people complaining that this regime is the reason why they can't get things done or this is yeah. the purpose... She got, I mean, she has this thing for getting, um, you know, falsely accused people out of prison, convicted, yeah. you know, wrong convictions turned over. She got two of them turned over in an administration that probably shouldn't do that. So to say That's... that you can't be active in your cause or yeah. you can't do what you need because of somebody else's power, um, you're just giving them your power. And I think she's a really good example of somebody that like, is is fighting for a very liberal agenda in a very conservative regime. Regime, yeah, regime strong. Might not. Uh, I think we're <laughs> no, almost there. I think we're all. I just <laughs> I'm totally. I mean, we're missing a strong black and red symbol. Yeah, or black, red, and white, or some kind of like. There's always like you know. Yeah, the, one. You know, actually, one <laughs> of the things um, that came up in the humble the poet podcast uh -huh. was the the fact that said, yeah, these young kids that I know, Trump is their first white president. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, because they, because they were born, like they became yeah, conscious at a time yeah. when, Ob for eight years when Obama mm -hmm. was president. And so they, so, so they're having, it, it's not like it was a, you know, a bunch of <laughs> white presidents up there and then, and then um, Obama was elected and people were like kind of wigged out because oh, it's the first black president. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, okay, here's these kids their experiences and especially because he's punjabi yeah so let's let, you know let's just say minority mm -hmm. um and so i imagine some of these kids he's talking about are sort of minorities and are like yeah like, like one of one of us mm -hmm. this is a fucking privileged white guy saying this shit <laughs> yeah, yeah, please yeah. folks um you know <laughs> someone who is a minority someone you know uh, uh, of color mm -hmm. is president is running the country that's what they knew as children and sure, then all yeah. of a sudden the change the, the, yeah 
then the Cheeto Man came or whatever the they che- call. I don't know. I I, the- I did I did notice that. Um, I don't know where, you know, the, uh, is it the Happy Camper um, trailer that has yeah. the Trump sandwich? Uh-huh. You can get yeah, this bologna, bologna white yeah. bread, American and you know, cheese, this yeah. Russian sauce and whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Chris Warden was somewhere, mm. I noticed via social media, mm. um, it, that it was somewhere where they offered that sandwich. Oh. Um, it, it, it's similar to, you know, it was bologna, it had Cheetos yeah. inside of it, also white bread, <laughs> Cheetos, uh, uh, Russian sauce, and then there was a paragraph, you know, allegedly written by Trump about how this is the most, this is one of the most <laughs> tremendous sandwiches. In fact, my my buddy Putin loves this sandwich. He even wrote me a letter saying how much he loves this sandwich. Anyway, so, so Chris bought one. Did and really? they actually made him, and, and he got, got to, and there's a, there's a picture on his uh, oh, social no media way. feed of it, you know, like two bites taken out of it, and then the sandwich just kind of sitting there on this fucking plain brown wrap, brown wrapper <laughs> on the table. But um, it, anyway, the 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 idea that that child's experience could be so completely different mm-hmm. than the you know older white dude's experience who. Yeah, it, you know who suddenly comes along. You know, comes into the time of the first black president. Um, it, so the, I think the, the range of human experience is pretty huge. One thing, um, if you bring up Carter, you know, uh, is she our Lord it, and Savior it, Kim? Yeah, our Lord and Savior is is she not West? Or she she made she she kept her name. It's not I'm even sure a she's worth more it. money than him. So I okay, I, so I, she I think that's how it works. Okay, um, <laughs> whoever has the cash gets. She's a fucking name. billionaire. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. Yeah. Um, Something came up in the headlines the other day, and this was, I brought it up in conversation after having seen it because it, we were talking about um, people who are making money off the back of other people's work or accomplishments mm-hmm. or using, you know, um, the fame of someone else to promote their bullshit product. So, mm-hmm. and I don't know what this product was, um, but <laughs> the headline was that basically Kim Kardashian is suing this company for $10 million mm-hmm. um, because they, without her permission, used her image to help, sh- you know, hawk their products, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know, by, by implication was that she was endorsing that or used the product or whatever. She had slapped them with a $10 million lawsuit, which I think, think is appropriate mm. um it you know who knows what the company's worth but if it's the kind it, you know and then i start like playing that to the logical conclusion okay so you make them you, you know you make them stop mm-hmm. obviously you probably make that if they have to actually pay it because they try to fight it or whatever and they lose that company goes away because mm-hmm. no company with actual horsepower would not have just got on the phone and you know, with her people right. and negotiated a licensing thing in, in, in some way. So obviously it's the company's small enough that they thought that maybe they could get away with mm-hmm. it or something like that. Under the radar. And then I was just thinking like, oh, yeah. So the threat is every the company disappears, everyone loses their job, but I got a, but I got a better plan. Instead mm-hmm. of $10 million, you give me 2 plus 10% of everything that you make after that, and you could to continue to use my image. No other images. This Just is it. One. You keep exploiting the one that you already fucking stole. Yeah. You pay me a fine for that. There's an asshole tax for that. That's the Ooh. two. Yeah. Which leaves you just enough working capital to keep going as a company. You still get to use that image. Make believe. We've just given your company a ton of free publicity by having this whole lawsuit thing and litigation <laughs> go public. 
So you're welcome. Um, and then I get 10% or 15% of everything on top of that, which means, you know, the company still exists. I get a little something that I can also then, you know, roll back into whatever liberal programs or whatever programs are important to me that I want to do as um, Mrs. K. That's pretty ingenious, actually. I thought it was a, like a, a, yeah, nice, a good, nice kind of way out. I imagine ten, two million for a billionaire is pennies. Yeah. Which is kind of, it's almost like a, well, it's fuck you money. Yeah, but then if you, you know, you're able to, you know, drop some on, you know, some program that, you know, would be helpful. Like yeah. like in Las Vegas, they're, they're going to need to, since they just made it illegal to sleep on a sidewalk. In Las Vegas? Yeah. $1,000 fine, six months Whoa. in jail. Whoa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if there's room in the home, in the shelters. So there's some shelters there that need oh. to be, and then there are people. What, what are they, no one's going to, this is. <laughs> <laughs> You're homeless. This is our social justice I, podcast I know, but, right now. But you're you're homeless. <laughs> I, I mean, I just think logically. Yeah. You're not staying in a hotel, not because you love the concrete yeah. necessarily. It's usually because you probably Lost don't your have job, many. can't afford rent. And, yeah, don't have any options. Yeah. So homeless means, you know. Yeah. Generally, I don't have a lot of monetary. Yeah. Um, so where's the thousand dollar fine come in? And you're like six months in jail. Fuck yeah! No, well here's the yeah, yeah here's free, but here's what I got. This is my, we're starting to criminalize totally normal behavior. Really worries me. Yeah, and and this isn't a progressive conservative versus liberal thing. This is really like, do we really need more people in prison? Like, does that reform people? Does that help? I think it's been proven well, time and time again that prison does are they not letting do anything. All the four twenty convictions out. Not yet, but in some, um, uh, what? Uh, because so, if they do, then the private prison corporations are going to have some empty. Well, know, they do, and then, uh, so that's some the, empty beds that they're that going to want to fill. Biggest, and so that's where the yeah, that's know. the biggest lobbying against uh, legalizing cannabis in most states is the prison uh, unions. No shit, <laughs> for sure. For I mean, sure. I, 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 it makes that, that makes sense to me, but I haven't looked. California's it, deal was that they don't get to release. Uh, even nonviolent offenders when they legalize recreational marijuana. That was the that was that was the hangpin. That like they can't legalize it with the you know lobbying whatever. So bullshit. from from yeah. zero from day zero of yeah. legalization, all crimes committed before that, yep. you know, you still uh, got to pay it. It's it's still, still it's, yep. it's like the way it was. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like we've acknowledged that this thing is in all practical um, logic harmless. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> true, I would, so I would have thought that I could see you know, my, my sense was that it was the alcohol companies and, you know, maybe phar pharmaceutical companies that were trying to um, block legalization. Yeah, but then prison Bud, system. Well, Budweiser just threw in and made like a THC it, yeah. Budweiser, yeah. which is <laughs> a fucking commendable. I mean, but, go for it. I, uh, the, I I have a real, I mean, if I guess I just have an, and it kind of comes back to the, the BAMF thing and presenting a different way of living to people. Yeah. Uh, and it has to do with, if you're not questioning the foundation of which you assume this whole, um, I guess simulation is is playing out oh man i tried to listen to that broken oh. podcast with <laughs> the, the swedish guy oh yeah about the simulation like i almost like just i almost fell asleep and drove off the road yeah actually right. i a, couldn't i couldn't it's I, a bit dry I, I couldn't get there 
Well, yeah, anyway, I, I mean, I, a simulation. I mean, it's a simulation anyway, right? Sure. Like uh, whether and I say that mostly joking, but also somewhat serious because um, we're just running through a program and nobody really has any idea of what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I so simulation. <laughs> you know, let's let's just say that 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 in, implies that there is someone running it, and I would say puppet master, and then I would, uh, you know. And that's maybe a different discussion, but uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, but it's an infinite. I mean, it's a infinite regression. Yeah. But so is saying that God created something that that there is a personal creator and yeah. He created this because it just leads to well, who created Him and then who created the creator? It, it, yeah. It's infinite regression, and most people don't get to that point in their logic. They're just like, fucking here. There, yeah, there's a book. Um, <laughs> the simulation thing really makes sense to me. It's free. When uh, there's a book called um, fucking something again, a oh, case against reality. Okay. <laughs> so, you know where cool. this is going. Yeah. And a lot of the book I actually <laughs> kind of disagree with. This is my favorite part about it is where um, he compares your perception and reality to the icon on a computer. Right. So you have your little blue folder that says like Mark stuff and you open the blue folder and then you see your files. Right. And we go, yeah, it's the folder. That's the file. And it's like, is that the file? That's the file. The file is blue? No, the file is not blue. That is a representation of the file because it's hard for us to look at zeros and ones and figure anything out in a meaningful, quick way. Yeah. Right? So, But our, you identify, you, you you went to school when you were a kid. Well, depending but, on your age, you had the folder, the, the yeah, peachy uh-huh, or something. Yeah. And all the stuff was in the folder. It makes sense. It it's, represents the icon. Like but repre- go back yeah. to the real folder. So the one that you hold in your hand, we go, yeah, but this is real. This exists. And you go, no, yeah, no. your brain is making a representation <laughs> so that you can make sense of the world, but it is not actually true. It when is we a talk pe- about it what is, is, you're, you're right. It is a piece of paper folded in half, a piece maybe? of thick paper. Well, that's okay. just what my sensory is telling me, because <laughs> if we break this down even further, you're like, imagine you being trapped in a room the size of this podcast studio. So let's call it 12 by 12. Okay. Let's imagine there is no light. Yeah. Right? There's nothing. And you're just stuck here. Now, the outside world is going on. There's some kind of reality outside of this box. And if you're in here long enough, your brain inside of this box will start well, to make a perception of what's going of on. Of what's going on outside. Right. Sure. So if, I, if I'm if quiet for a second, I go, oh, there's music. There's like a party going on out there. There's, you know, the clanging of weights. And then in my visual cortex, it starts to simulate what's actually going on. Before very long, you have vision without actual vision, right? So my brain just makes the world outside of me. Now, if you step back, I, you know, we made this weird prisoner thing, but that is what your brain is. Your brain is in a black box. Yeah. There is no such thing as vision. It's yeah. just, it's perception and interpretation of it. So that that's what I talk about when I talk about the simulation. Did this... This came up with Polly, right? This discussion remember. did it? Probably. I think. We I think it did. Of, I think it's because because I'm having total deja vu. Right okay. Now. Like about <laughs> <laughs> talked about. Fuck. Maybe. Well, no, so, no. It's not repeating ourselves. I mean, and if it is, who gives a fuck? Because we always talk about fitness. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, so people are so sure of if I touch this table, that table is there. And I go, when's the last time? Like, not very many people are questioning this. Yet, we're told, go to school, get a job, pay insurance, start a family, tell those fucking brats to do the same exact worthless shit that you did. 
And then maybe at some time in your 60s, if you're really good and don't get cancer, um, you can go sit on a beach for a couple of days until you are like, yep, I should have blown my brains out. Like I should have done that a long time ago. Yeah, but I, and I can't just walk into the water because the lifeguard will save me. Right. And some people will be like, <laughs> oh, well, we have science to tell us what's reality and what's not. It's like we don't. There's a lot of assumptions in science that don't even get past reality. Yeah. As in, the only truth you can know is that consciousness is real and that you exist. You can't validate whether anything else exists. And science can't even validate that one thing. They don't know what consciousness is, and that's the only thing that we know. So what we so because I think subconsciously everyone knows this. Mm-hmm. Like there's some Something. thing deep inside that mm-hmm. is telling you to like. <laughs> Ask questions. (laughs) Um, So then you manufacture stuff. Uh Make stories. Make make stories. And and some of those stories might be sort of moral guides. Mm -hmm. Some of those stories might be, you know, financial guides, some of the, you know, whatever. But but we, then you have the opportunity to go see someone tell a, you know, a quote, real story. (laughs) Like, was I on that mountain? I, Mm. I, well had the shit stains in my long underwear to prove that something happened up there, you know, but, right. but I could have just, you know, been too much freeze dried food or whatever. Like, mm. um, does the mountain exist? I'm like, ah, fuck. I got, I get, there are certain things I need to accept in order to, for sure. You need start, some assumptions. I need yeah. some assumptions to, yeah. to, to get by. Um, but then, you know, now I've kind of started this conversation with a, a friend that I used to climb with that, mm-hmm. um, who stopped climbing at a certain point because he was just bored with it because he could do anything because he had already figured out the gate to the parallel universe and he went there and where gravity didn't fucking matter and so he could come mm. back here and just do whatever <laughs> and I was like I far out fucking, that is far <laughs> out and I totally believe you I just didn't I fucking didn't get that lottery ticket I mean he yeah. worked really fucking hard yeah um, you know with sort of meditative and spiritual mm-hmm. practice and that kind of thing to be able to sort of access mm. to disassociate from the anchoring assumptions where we are right now mm-hmm. and to be open to experiencing some other things. Uh, and, and I'm just like, okay, well, why not? And I'm not afraid of that. The fact that you can sort of yeah. find a, I mean, well, a lot Donnie of people, Darko was not fucking wrong. What they try to find the, <laughs> and a lot, I get, you know, a lot of people, especially Aaron will be like, well, why the fuck? Were, like, okay. So you, you, you come to the knowledge or you, you come, you get rid of assumptions and you figure out that reality isn't real and you start questioning everything and you break down to you're almost don't want to exist, but then you build yourself back up. And now I'm just operating in the same space that I did yeah. before. Yet I have a real suspicion. And now I've got a nagging yeah. fucking feeling. But <laughs> yeah. that suspicion is totally invaluable. Like that skepticism and yes. it, it pays off everywhere. And I don't think people realize the value. I still know that I'm going to not, I'm going to walk around the table because it fucking hurts to run my shin into the non-existent table. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Because the, the one assumption that is clear is that thing's really dense and hard yeah, it <laughs> whether it exists or not i don't know but if i accept that i exist mm-hmm. uh, my matter can't pass through its matter so and and, and so i've been doing i've been going through and kind of like things that i've made assumptions about just trying to like go back through and make sure that they're you know at yeah. least helpful assumptions yeah um that they're not hurting and one of the hardest things that i'm dealing with 
now what, what, the the live your life kind of deal is the big assumption like do do kind of what other people are doing and you'll kind of get it and i think that's one of the worst assumptions like going with like oh the, the cows are going this way i'm a cow i'm gonna go this way because it look well there's and there's gates and i don't like i'll get cattle prodded if i try to jump that gate so i'm just gonna get in line we're gonna go to this building and everybody looks real nervous but we're all doing we're all going here and the thing it's the same line that we got in to go to where the hay was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're feeding yeah, we're, we're feeding yeah it, but now you're being fed or, or wait no <laughs> becoming food fed too you're becoming food yeah it's, it's still kind of a someone providing something for somebody um and i've had a, i've had a hard time with the the capitalist thing like i'm having a hard time with the the making money thing because it's becoming more and more difficult to swallow this profit margin thing that's like irking at me yeah um and a lot of it has been, you know, reading about how it developed with trade and blah, 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 super boring, dry stuff. And then we created currency and then, you know, that was a fiat currency and we got rid of that to create a, an illusionary currency that yeah. literally is just uh, based off a perception of the group of monkeys that are ringing bells and have a flashing neon light saying that the market is up, the market is down and, and everybody loses or everybody wins based off of what a couple of other monkeys say. And we're all riding along in this fucking feedlot yeah and my big problem with it is um value like i like we're trying to offer something valuable to people and we we split hairs on really trying to um figure out what something is worth yes and especially like i guess we haven't talked about it yet but we have a soft cover of refuge that is sitting on the table right now exactly and it was like well, what is this worth? Because we place this pricing at this in order to cover the costs and you know keep making art and do this whole process. And I want it to be fair and I don't know why I want it to be fair until I started reading about trade and why trade is so valuable. Because when you trade with somebody, when you have a, a relationship um, that's personal, you want to trade fairly. You don't yeah. want a win-lose situation. That is only a very modern thing where if you and now oft, trade somebody for something and, and I come out better, and I'm often all, ha, ha, ha. Uh, and and that that uh, unequal relationship there is uh, is almost always expressed at distance. Yes, it's never. And this uh, and this came up during the book festival when I was talking with people about having made a thing and it has weight, and I feel exceptionally good mm. when I take the weight from my hands and I put it in someone else's hands. Yep. And yes, maybe there's an exchange of money mm -hmm. because I assigned a certain value to it. Mm. But that artifact, as I've been calling it, um, is it might be worth only that to that person. Mm -hmm. I know what it was worth to me. I know what it cost me. I know the value that it continues to provide me as I watch other people relate to it. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that, it, okay, there's a, it, the, I hand you the hardback copy for $119. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some tax to pay for the thing. Maybe, maybe it's more, maybe it's in a different currency and the number's higher and it's still, you know, whatever. But, but um, that person may find far greater value mm. in that thing. And so I, I think there's, there's a discussion to be had about the value of art mm. versus the value of soap. Yeah. Or, you know, commodity. 
of some kind. Yeah, I mean, we're looking for um, a winter car for Aaron right now, so we're going around and shopping at cars. In the, in the first, <laughs> fuck, I want to be a fly on the wall. God. Well, so damn, you must make some car sales, folks. No, no. In fact, okay. probably the opposite. Okay. So I see a price. I assume that's what it's worth. And when I see that the car is not worth what the price is, I just go away. And then I get a text message from a guy and he goes, hey, are you still interested? And I go, oh, yeah, I just think it's a little bit, you know, I don't think it's valued like that. And he goes, oh, well, I can just knock it down. And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, why didn't you do that to start with? Like, wh- why, why, didn't you, why didn't you value your item that you want to get rid of at what it's valued, not what above of what it's valued, thinking that you could fucking trick somebody who's stupid into purchasing something that's overvalued? And I go, oh, wait, our whole entire civilization is set up on tricking people into buying things that are overvalued. Yeah. And, and then we, respect, we hold in the biggest regard, maybe even elect president some days, people that are known for selling undervalued things overpriced that's how you make ridiculous amounts of profit and yet and we hold it in the bit look man i respect him. he has so much money he made so much money i mean all you're saying is that he tricked so many people into not having a fair trade in which yeah. case we're respecting people who build nothing but win-lose relationships and i don't want to live like that which means i won't have a boat anytime soon or like you know, a jet, but I think well, it what is, if you could get one for a fair price? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if I could trade a couple books and yeah. like, I don't, like, <laughs> but, I really, but obviously that's, <laughs> those are of an equal value when you try, like, I got these three books right here and you got a jet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I, like, <laughs> I, I, I want to break that assumption that, um, that we should overprice things so that life is easier for us. Yeah. And, and it's I, hard. It, like, I'm not saying that I wouldn't like an easier lot sometimes, like mm-hmm. when we're looking at the overhead for this place and we're kind of cringing at like, fuck, what are we going to do next? I understand that as a double-edged sword. It is the thing that will produce great results and it needs to be hot and sharp. Yes. And, and if it doesn't exist, we are both just fucking not giving a shit because, because of how we both are. Like we're both the same. We both need some kind of like urgency and like we need a fire. We need something to like move us. And for us, because we can live simply and be really uncomfortable. Like I think both of us. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I'm not, I don't cost that much money and I can sell everything I own and I'm just the same person. And I understand that when we buy into something and we want to do something greater, we almost have to leverage ourselves. And that's the benefit of leverage is you just like man i could feel it cranking at me i need to get to the office i need to produce i need to create um that's really helpful but it i I fight with it because i go man i really don't like unfair trade and i really want if if anybody bought anything from it i don't care if it's a t-shirt a sticker um a book if at any one point and it could be like three years down the line if they email me and they're like you know what it really wasn't worth it I would do whatever I could to refund that person's money and just send it back to me. Yeah, I, you, gotta, I, you gotta send me the thing. Yeah, send me the thing and I'll give you yeah. your money. Like, I don't, like, it can be, ra- like, even if you just don't find value in it, I am so... I, I, I can't go there with you. I'm just, I, that's, you know... I mean, j- just because... Um, you think people would take advantage? Yes, possibly. We're because in a fight we with human nature. Because we have a... Because, because we've, we've been fostered in an unfair trading system. Well, but I don't think... You know, I, I believe enough in what we make that 
there, there is value, but I also believe in, in, in not helping people unmake their decisions. Yeah. Like, I don't want to give you the 10, you know, the 10 day free trial with the book. No, 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 right? like you no. need to, you need to sort of do some research. And, the, the, and, and I also believe the price needs to be high enough mm-hmm. that people pay attention to the transaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it, that it that it is that the transaction itself has meaning. That, yeah, it's oh, not. It's not I had ten to, payments of ten ninety nine. Exactly, where year, you don't yeah. notice. Yeah, it's look. I in order to be able to make this payment to cover you know the cost of the artifact plus the you know the shipping. I just had a great idea. Yes, we we should have a layaway program for our products that charge exactly double. <laughs> I'm just just as a, (laughs) and I only get there because now we're in this subscription economy. Yes. Everybody, everything is subscription. Nothing is even existent. Nothing exists. Yeah. Look, let me put my hand into your pocket once a month. Yeah. But I'll just, I'll just, uh, but I'm a pickpocket. Yeah. So you won't notice. But this, this fucking app that I just downloaded in order to like preview allows us to, you know, take a snippet of a podcast, put a picture and a little audio thing behind it. Yeah. It's a monthly charge. Why? Why is it a monthly charge? The software is done. And I'll buy it for whatever you, like whatever you value it. Yeah. At. So what is the monthly charge? It's like 10 bucks a month. It's 10 bucks a month. So they won't take $120 for like a year, no, yeah, yeah. not even for a year, $120. Right. And let me have the app for a lifetime. And, and yeah, as, and, and, yeah. and buy the license yeah. to use it as I want to, which was how it, yeah. how it was. But then if you look at the Adobe, Adobe model, yeah. which is subscription, um, how, when was, uh, they're constantly developing the products, right? Some of them are new and they're refining the ones that exist and yep. advancing them as the technology advances. Uh, and yet, I mean, there was a certain point when I, you know, I, I couldn't, I, I, I needed to have Photoshop in order yeah. to do my job, you know, in order yeah. to, in order to make my, <laughs> I needed the tool to make the money. I could, didn't want to buy the tool. Mm-hmm. So I got the pirated version. Yeah. I've right. Like, too. yeah. And then at a certain, at some point like, well, I don't want people to do that with what I create. Mm-hmm. So now I pay. Mm-hmm. And it, so I think for them, the reaction, there was so much piracy yeah. that they weren't getting, and you know, people can go, oh, $1,200 for the, you know, Photoshop, Illustrator, Acrobat, mm-hmm. whatever, InDesign suite um, is too much. Okay, well, um, but that's what it costs. And if you mm-hmm. want to use it, but I, I think they were, were probably... It's 80, you know, they, they could use the something? revenue. I don't. I don't want to say that they're just like profiteering necessarily, but because the products do keep getting better, true, and yeah. that costs money. You have to pay. You look at the mm-hmm. number of names that are involved in creating those software packages, and I'm not defending it necessarily, but I'm sure. just because I think the the subscription model is insidious enough. I mean, it's just like exploitate. It's exploitative of um, human characteristics, human nature. And, um, but, but it also provides consistent revenue, um, for a company, which they evaluated as $4 billion in 2012. Yeah. They're worth, they do 9 billion in revenue a year. (laughs) 
they're profiteering. But, but, but yeah, yeah, still, okay. they created something that's gonna... very useful. Like, I'm not saying that it's not worth it because I, but I would rather, but because this is how I use products, I buy a phone cash. Yeah. And I use it until the phone doesn't work anymore. And then I buy another phone, the next version. I skip three or four versions. What they want you to do is buy each version and how they trap you into that is this monthly bullshit. And I like, it, it's it's just it's part of the same thing. I mean, it's, we just went to get a new phone, and the and the deal oh was like, um, okay, you, I, and they wouldn't let us buy the phone outright. <laughs> it's an AT and T thing, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they said, yeah, you, you get it for the same price. Like, I could sell it to you for you know a thousand dollars or seven hundred, yeah. whatever that was. I can't remember. Um, I could sell it to you for uh, th- that's the price of the phone, and. Even though we're asking you to make monthly payments for two years, mm-hmm. that's still the price at the end. They're not jacking it up because of the monthly. It's not a layaway thing. They want you to keep paying so that you're locked into a two-year service plan. And so we just like signed up for the two, you know, for the thing with the two, you know, the supposed mm-hmm. whatever service plan, and uh, which I can cancel at any time because fuck you. Because immediately afterwards. Um, off, yeah. just, we just paid it off yeah. like in a separate transaction without having left the store. I said, do I need to walk out and walk back in or through a different door? Do I need to talk to a different guy if I want to come in and pay it off? And, um, but it was like the weirdest thing and I was trying to understand, but it was to sort of lock people, people in. Yeah. in. Or if you didn't have, it allows you to have a higher technology phone, which is far more addictive, et cetera. Yeah. Um, it, if you don't have the, uh, money to buy it out right up front. cash flow yeah uh, and this yeah. is <laughs> and i think there it's do you know what's w- funny bring this back to fitness yeah this is what fitness companies did yeah. although gym memberships were based off of this profit margin yeah off of getting people to pay a monthly membership fee and then crossing their fingers and knowing that human nature dictates that no one really changes themselves. Yeah. So therefore 90% of the population that pays a monthly fee won't actually show up. And and if and if that that fee is slight enough, it's small enough, then you find the threshold where you can where it's um high enough but not too high. Yeah. That someone doesn't notice that by March, they're not going to the gym anymore <laughs> and that right. they keep like, I, I did it with Zwift cause I used it a couple of times last winter mm-hmm. and to have access to the more interactive version of the thing where yeah. I could put my bike on the rollers and it would be a course and that would adjust the resistance on the rollers and that shit, you know, mm-hmm. um, I used it a few times for whatever it was, fourteen ninety nine a month. And then I stopped using it and I completely forgot until June. Like I was riding outside maybe after yeah, that yeah, and I completely yeah. forgot. And then I really, I got an email like with a receipt and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. fuck. I for- yeah. completely forgot that I did that. Yeah. And so then I went and canceled it, but they got, you know, 30, 40 bucks or something. Whatever. $15 a month for yeah. the, you know, five, six months. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, they didn't get, yeah. but, but for the majority of that time I was not using it. Yeah. yeah for I sure. I thought it was a shitty fucking tool anyway, but a lot of people seem to like it. Yeah, actually, people really do like that. I don't, yeah, it's all. I mean, that that's the. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that I've been. This is a really. I mean, talk about a segue, and I sent you. Well, some, let me let me just go. Yeah. Let me just finish this with. Yeah, you. I'm yeah. just like, I've seen. I don't play video games, but I've seen what video games look like right now, yeah. and Zwift is like fucking Pong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, Compared to yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they maybe, have a lot of words. Maybe to do. asteroids or asteroid, whatever that one was. Yeah, but I, more like pong. I'm just like, oh, this is you're charging money for this. Yeah, Eat me. if they wanted to, I mean, it would take some serious. Uh, the profit margin. There would have to be more people on the platform. Yes. Yeah. In but order to do as it. you just said, people yeah. don't want to change themselves. So yeah, exactly. Well, that's what <laughs> so there's like, well, people don't like exercising. So, so like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to invest the absolute bare minimum to make this somewhat usable and interesting, Yeah, but not immersive in the way that I want to say they were developing all those VR platforms. There were people could walk around and then they decided almost immediately that nobody is going to do that. Nobody's <laughs> going to walk around. I want to lie back. Eat, yeah, get, exactly. Get so they go back. <laughs> It's it's kind Get a of massage a massage and like be fanned with you know it's kind of a joke. Whatever. Um, the whole thing is a little bit ridiculous, but okay. Make the segue if oh. you still got it. Well, I do. I mean, it's a it's a deep. See, so I I only thought of it because you mentioned um, the humble the poet, and I was going to mention because yeah. I had to send it to you, and I was like, ignore the title. Yeah, but the but title I was, was just like defend analog. This is awesome. <laughs> That's all I saw. Oh. No, I didn't it's see a, anal on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> anal on Tuesday. So it's the 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 Pornhub podcast. Now, yeah, I, I went down a really weird rabbit hole for a while. Okay, because I'm questioning assumptions, and I uh, was listening to this um, really good podcast uh, with Shane Parrish interviewing um, not a sex therapist but a sex educator. Okay, which is totally different, and. Um, you know, they were bashing on porn and, and, you know, like like the likely, like, oh, it's dangerous and it's changing people's perceptions. And I was like, I don't, like, okay, I hear some people have some issues with it and, like, I, I just never understood. I think how, it changes young people's perceptions. It does. And here's the thing. it <laughs> If you use porn to educate yourself, yeah. you're going to have a bad experience. Yes. But that's because you're uneducated. But if everyone is using porn to educate themselves, and they all arrive at the same conclusion. Yeah, for sure. Right? That nobody wants HD. And then your sex educator oh. doesn't have a job anymore. <laughs> uh, I was going to yeah. say, nobody wants HD. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> High definition in porn is... It, is I, so, but I started... Anyway, it was it was kind of a... So that's why I went... And, and certainly I not that. surround sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, anyway, so like some of the assumptions behind it were pretty interesting because it, it's supposedly so harmful and so supposedly like so dark and all these people talk about it in this like negative light. And I've always assumed that, you know, it's pretty harmful for the actors yeah. that are in it and only because of what I've heard. And some people have really bad experiences. And I had one thought and it cleared all of that away. Okay. And I just thought it was really funny. And I was like, I'll share that yeah. at some point with Mark. So... <laughs> Well, People are saying here. like in the, the 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 stigma behind it is like oh poor person they had to get into porn they must be like destitute or they had to get into the yeah. sex trade or like what well, yeah. like it's always this fucking poor them what they could have worked at Walmart at least and you're like oh yeah that makes it, it must be really terrible now you're talking about an industry. I I, everybody I'm, just thinking, I just, I'm just thinking that Walmart is, is really terrible. Like Every, when I see the person at Walmart, I'm like, greeter, oh my God, yeah. you couldn't like... You couldn't get into porn? You couldn't, of course. <laughs> no, there's just no 400 pound wheelchair porn yeah. yet. There's no fetish for that yet. Well, actually, oh, have you searched? No, I haven't. Neither have I. I mean, I don't go outside the on. boundaries very often because... Okay. I don't know. Like I, I like stuff that's artsy. I like the, when it's filmed well. I like good lighting. I like, I like a, you know. Something you read that, the articles, is what you're saying? No, not at all. I won't read shit. I'll go right to the right to the good part. Yeah. But, okay. but it needs to be well thought out because I don't like shit products. 
Well, like I yeah. just don't like things that are shitty. Yeah. And so therefore, like there's this uh anyway, there's a really good um French director. She makes awesome stuff. Okay. It's really artistic. Um I don't like all her stuff, but she does really good stuff. And then there's this other um uh, girl who's kinda uh she's a director and she makes really good stuff too. But Lots you mean of black these aren't dudes? No, they actually they, all the like creative stuff tends to be females That's for some pretty reason. pretty interesting, isn't it? Huh. Yeah, it is actually yeah. really interesting because yeah. they see it from a different light. Maybe it's more psychological than it is like yeah. just like. Rah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we, I had this thought, and it was kind of funny because although people will talk about how harmful it is and how bad it is for a generation, the views on some of these websites show that at least like I don't know. 90% of the planet's population hits a website like that at least twice a week. Yeah. Right? So everybody's downloading this content. Everybody's, everybody's getting talking harmed. about Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but everybody's talking about how harmful it is, right? Yeah. And I go, you know, man, it must be so bad to be a porn star. Are you fucking kidding me? They're doing something that almost every single person at least twice a week wants to partake in. Yeah. They're getting paid to do that thing. And they may be getting paid less now than they did before because... I don't think the, so. That's not okay. true okay. anymore. Yeah, it was described actually that now that it's switched to they like this voyeur style and it's not big budget films yeah. where you have to interact with other people. Most actresses and actors can make their own content at home with their porn star wife or whatever yeah. and make about six to ten times more okay. money. Okay. So it's actually, it's like any market. Like, yeah, it crashed because the original way to make money in the market was to get into producing these big budget films and right. make money on the sales of the films. Now it's the sale of being the artist or actor yourself, however you want to view it. Yeah. And I was like, that's interesting. And then the sites that are, you know, uh, broadcasting or, mm -hmm. or, or the portals to, to access um, are, are selling advertising. Yes. Lots of it. Yeah. And so, or uh, you get a subscription. <laughs> or, you, or you get a subscription, which nobody wants that to show up monthly. That's brown I, bag production. You know, that's like, that's what, that's what it comes on my card, you know, or something. I don't brown know. Brown bag production. <laughs> well, so I, it was just this yeah, weird assumption. Yeah, .com, you know, whatever. Like everybody's talking about how harmful this thing is, but really everybody is enjoying it. Like everybody like partakes in it. They look at it. They like, and the people who do it, I mean, maybe there's quite a few people that don't like their job that get yeah. stuck into it somehow. And maybe it's a bad position. I don't want to say that that's not possible because there's lots of people that work at Walmart. Well, yeah, I mean, and, but but I also, I, I mean, uh, I I would expect that there's a, a darker side to it. For sure. For, because it's human beings. Sure. And it's groups of human beings and yeah. there's money involved and it's <laughs> then it's also around the you know the the, the active population and you know yeah. et cetera. But um uh so I, I imagine there is a you know a, a harsher downside than there is to some other industries. Sure. Um and I remember some article maybe it was in the last year or something, one uh famous sort of Porn actress um, who committed suicide or something. Oh yeah, uh, um, what is her name? Uh, I I know who exactly who you're talking about, and um, and I can't remember. Like I didn't go but, into the details of the story of the why, but but I think there was um, some mental illness but, involved with it. Yeah, in, in which case, and this is this is. And like, then if we start talking about that, we can just go immediately and start talking about climbing and you know. Well, yeah, so yeah, the, this is the th like this is kind of an interesting thing because rock climbing is suicide ideation. It was a study from the late 60s <laughs> no that shit. Jeff brought up, yeah. Oh, that's in, really in interesting. our talk, yeah. It, I thought it was brilliant. 
kind of interesting. I'm like, well, it failed. So failed. Um, <laughs> the numbers on uh, adolescent girls suicide rate from what I've read from 2005 to now is mm-hmm. up 75%. Whoa. Yeah, that's fucking shocking. Like that is so abnormally high. And, th- and this is, uh, and I, I kind of got, I, I, ref- I didn't enter into an argument. Okay. But, um, somebody online was, arguing about you know industrial seed oils and this complex that's degenerative and it's causing all these problems and this scientific guy gets involved who's a very well-known diet guy and he gets in and talks all oh, that there's no proof of that science and research all this stuff is totally safe and totally normal and it's like whoa, whoa 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 are you saying that diet doesn't affect your mental state or your psychology <laughs> like no 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 it does so you're saying that it doesn't, there's no chance it could lead to depression or cut, like you're saying that it's unaffected, that this stuff shouldn't have anything to do. It's totally safe. These people are just trying to bad mouth industrial seed oils and sugar. And it's all part of this like religious fervor. And I go like suicide rate up in adolescent teenagers, females is up 75%. And you're saying that everything is fine and everything is safe. And I'm not saying that it's like a it's particular that. food or it's yeah. this specifically, but I'm just saying you're ignoring the possibility that it could be linked to our dietary behavior. Yeah. And I was like, that's a huge fucking mistake. I don't care how much you hate carnivore diet or hate keto or hate veganism. I was like, people that are trying to find a better way to eat are on the right path, no matter yes. what the fucking religious fervor that comes out of it. Like they yeah. get, yeah, they'll get stuck on a stupid thing that, and then it becomes ha- the way, and then they start yeah. proselytizing, and it's annoying. And but at least they're seeking something different, which which we and it, the the process of seeking something different always involves questions, yeah. and I think questions are well, what we're fucking here for. And these people end up seeking people that have had experiences and they sit in your audience, and and maybe that gets them from the next stage to the next part. And it's yeah. like it's this very genuine way about understanding that the world that we've been shown is completely made up and no one knows how to do it yet. Yeah. And so, and I hope they don't, I I hope they don't too, because I really think it's, it's about noticing that the herds are going into the slaughter and being like, I think there's a different way and it's going to be painful. I'm going to get cattle prodded. Yeah. You know, I could, I could, because I'm going to try and jump the gate. Yeah, I can face yeah. certain death, and these people are going to tell me how bad it is. Everyone's going to warn me. Actually, I'm not going to try and jump the gate because I'm a little smarter than that. Yeah. I'm going to convince three of my friends to run really <laughs> fast at that fucking fence <laughs> and try and get through it, and I'll right. be the fourth one over their backs. I, I <laughs> do think that is it. Like, this is you're standing in line, getting ready for slaughter, living the mundane, doing the same thing. Yeah. It's safe, it's normal. You have insurance, you have a 401k, and you at some point, have to figure out how to get out of that and maybe you'll sit in an audience somewhere and somebody who's gotten out of it will be able to inform you of what it was like and that'll inspire you to go farther i think that ties this together nicely actually Mm -hmm. Um, back around somehow (laughs) yeah somehow i don't know (laughs) somehow these like the the rabbit holes lead to leads back to the tunnel (laughs) lead back to the larger tunnel (laughs) and then uh, and then up to the surface sometimes no um, one will ever believe how we got back from porn back to feedlots. I know, but it, and and if <laughs> in, if if somebody wants to listen to a thoughtful mm. podcast about art, about creativity, about life, mm. I 
I couldn't. I mean, it was a two-hour podcast. I was two hours late coming to work yeah. <laughs> yesterday because I couldn't stop. Like, I don't, I don't want to listen to it in my car. I just want to mm-hmm. be sitting here and listen to this um, and, and give it my full attention. Mm-hmm. And and from an unlikely sort of place in totally. a way. Like, my education came from wherever, mm-hmm. but I can learn from anything, even you know, from the fucking bullshit trashy spy novel in the mm-hmm. that i buy at the airport to you know get through that one flight or you know um anything anything and and um you know sometimes i have this problem with books and the books that i, that I read that i'm trying to learn from and trying mm-hmm. to um hold on to the feeling that the reading of the book causes so a lot of times i just don't i won't finish the last chapter because i don't want it to be over <laughs> and <laughs> And I and I gotta say that um, I fin- I finished Stephen Kotler's Small Furry Prayer. Yeah, I had le- I had left like ten or eleven pages. Oh no shit! And I finished it the other night, and I and I thought, my God, what a well crafted mm-hmm. story. And yeah, so I was sitting there listening to Humble the Poet, mm. and had just finished that book. And I thought I need to get better at doing these things that interest me which is writing and making photographs and tying them together into printed artifacts that i will sell for a fair price <laughs> <laughs> on that note <laughs> to anyone who would like to buy one yeah that was good thanks yeah, thanks <laughs>